0: Hi, welcome to the Sage's Cabin podcast. I'm your host, Rox Madeira. Grab a cup of tea and come and join me in the Sage's Cabin as we chat about everything from herbal gardening, herbal medicine, movement practices, wild food, postnatal and just general well-being. Hi, and thanks for joining me this month for our podcast i'm going to be talking with author sarah robinson and we're talking all about witches kitchen witchcraft kitchen magic and about food folklore history and women's history it's a really interesting podcast that i really enjoyed recording so i hope you enjoy listening to it too and as always if you do please like subscribe and share and sarah's also Given us bonus material for the patron. So the patron, if you would like to sign up, you can either just support the podcast and get all the bonus material, or there's also the option to uh, subscribe um, as the membership. And with the membership, we do monthly plant spirit journeys where we're going to connect with a plant and journey together with that plant. So if you want to join us there, you can head over to Patreon for and look for wise herbal ways or you can also find it on my website so I hope you enjoyed the podcast cool. okay. yeah so I just thought we could just like talk about yeah. Which is...
1: <laughs> it's our favourite thing to do in the morning yeah.
0: A good place to start, which is actually where I always start, is if <laughs> you could just like say who you are and um, how did you, how you got into the work that you're doing.
1: Sure, um, hello, uh, I'm Sarah Robinson, uh, I'm very, very honoured to be asked to be part of this lovely podcast uh-huh. and, uh... uh-huh. oh, <laughs> 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 Um, God, sorry, I'm, I have the attention span of a a fairy so i'm i'm off already um so <laughs> my name is sarah i am uh, the author of um kitchen witch food folklore and fairy tale um and enchanted journeys and yoga for witches and i've got them in a pile here so that i can remember them all uh, and yin magic <laughs> um, uh what's my story i suppose for 10 years or so i was a yoga teacher and i always dreamed since I was small, I dreamed of writing a book and uh, at one point or another, I started crafting something that would become yoga for witches, which is kind of a, a bit of an exploration, I suppose, of the practice of yoga, which I love, but is not my native practice. So I wanted to kind of explain the beauty of yoga as a, a respect, respectful practitioner of it, um, but then also what is my kind of native practice of Wicca and paganism and kind of uh, not exactly merging together the practices of East and West, but looking at them separately and enjoying the connections and the commonalities between them and and perhaps creating something for ourselves. Um, And I suppose that choice of, of starting to explore my own culture of the West led into more of my folkloric books, like Kitchen Witch and Future projects that are on their way are much more uh native to me and celebrating the stories of of the land I'm on, which is really nice and uh so yeah, slowly slowly, I became an author instead of a yoga teacher, although I do still do a, a tiny bit of yoga teaching um and here I am
0: <laughs> that's great I love that I'm looking that sounds good a new book more books in the works. <laughs> And Always I more books in
1: the works. Yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, I think once you start writing one, and you you, know, you gather up all research, there's all sorts of wonderful things that don't really fit into the book you're writing. But you're like, okay, I'm going to put this in a pile for the next one or the next one after that. So once you start, it's just it's a it's a rabbit hole that that I'm honoured to to be wandering down. So. So
0: that's fun. That's I actually also, uh, when I was a child, used to dream about writing books and I used to, like, make mini tiny little books. And I, would like, used to write little stories, usually about squirrels, was <laughs> what they were about. And I'd walk around with these little books and had, like, a whole space on the bookshelf for these tiny my nude
1: books (laughs) I love that I used to make tiny like sweets and things out of like old bits of like polo mint wrappers and things I used to something about tiny things when you're like tiny things but then also when I had a really boring office job I used to while away the hours just like creating mock covers for books I was gonna write (laughs) but just because I didn't really know what I was gonna write so it was just like they were all just ridiculous but I just loved doing it and actually now bless my publisher they kind of tolerate me making loads of mock-up pictures of my covers because I'm like because I just get really excited doing the cover so I've just played around with this and obviously it never is my designs because I am not a professional cover artist but it's uh it's fun to make fake books isn't
0: it <laughs> it is it is maybe one day I'll eventually make one too
1: <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you will I think it must say something about us that we just like it's like a little form of manifestation like we're just making these little Little books that will one day, one day be real.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I have, um yeah, I have. I think all of your books apart from the Yin Magic one. Um, I'm just having a look. I've just been reading the the Kitchen, which one? Um, got it here too. <laughs> it's Such a pretty cover.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's got such a glorious cover. Um, yeah. from Jessica Rue who's just an amazing artist, and she was just. loved everything she did we were just like please can we have this one though because we love it love it the most
0: um yeah so i think the kitchen which kind of really i don't know it captures my imagination a lot and i don't know if it's i think it's just that kind of that connection with the kind of the magic in the mundane and the fact that just of food and spices and herbs and healing um, and I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about um, just about witch, just kind of the definition of a witch. I think you talked about at the beginning.
1: Yeah, um, I suppose there's a definition of the witch, which is uh, I don't want to say notoriously hard to pin down because that's not the right word. Delightfully, deliciously hard to pin down the, the the definition of a witch. And then, as an aside, you also have the kitchen witch, and um, I think part of We've seen a journey of the story of the witch. I think from being something mm. in various times quite terrifying. The witch was someone who was uh, evil and vengeful, and she was up to no good. Uh, and it usually was a she at various points in history. Um, but slowly, she's been t- not turned. That's not not the right word. Um, Slowly, we're picking out elements of the witch's practice that are actually really beautiful and wonderful and sort of mundane as well, which is kind of nice as well, because a lot of uh, what people were accused of during the witch trials were just very much day to day getting by and survival. Things like foraging for herbs in the woodland, things like creating charms and balms and tinctures. This was just survival and doing the best that they could without uh, access to, to hospitals and, and doctors and things. So taking some of the more positive elements of the witch's story offers us today images such as the kitchen witch, which is a a modern word, but based on a very long history of magic in in food, in herbs, in spices, and a kind of a sacredness around those things. So Kitchen, which is a real celebration, I think, of, of some of the some of the most positive aspects, I suppose, of our magical history. And for our ancestors, you know, life was magical, not in the way we think of it today, but kind of magical in the sense that there was these realms of the unexplained. There were elements that couldn't be uh, cast away by religion or science. There was a kind of an, an element of the unknown. So to to seek a healer or a cunning woman for charms or divination was simply part of day-to-day life and to you know ward to ward your homestead and to offer up charms or prayers for protection which was part of day-to-day life so there was a kind of a magical element that offers hope I suppose and comfort and a sense of understanding that in times we have lost, but I think a lot of people are, are drawn back to the witch and the kitchen witch because of some of those elements that really were hugely beneficial, which is why why they did them in the first place, you know, witches weren't wasting their time, you know, they, uh, they were practical people, so they were doing stuff they had to do, they did stuff that had real benefits, and um, to see the value in that, I think it is really nice, and uh, I think I have sort of not answered your question, but... I used the word witch and kitchen witch a couple of times so you know somewhere somewhere in there might be an answer I think
0: I think that I mean I think you're right like people they wouldn't be doing just kind of like things for the sake of it because people were a lot more busy in those days I mean you know everything took a lot longer you had you'd have to make everything you know you can just go down to the shop and just go and buy I don't know Not go to the supermarket thing. and buy everything in one place even um you know so I mean when I listen to my um yeah. husband's Mom talking about like when she was young, living in her village, and they were like making their shoes and making their clothes and making their uh, going and collecting all the food, you know, harvesting everything and collecting water down the road. You wouldn't have time to be, you know, I don't think sitting around being like kind of woo woo, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was it was <laughs> very
1: much the stuff of life. It was you know things were brewing in the cauldron because people needed to be fed and. Uh, You know, divination was explored because people really wanted some comfort or some knowledge about, you know, whether they were going to survive the winter or whether they were going to have a baby or whether the health of their family was insured. So this was all very, um, very much about survival and finding hope to to navigate pathways. Um, So, yeah, it was it was important stuff. And I think that is true of. A lot of the kitchen witch work, any kind of feeding of any kind, literally making breakfast for your family in the morning is powerful and sacred and, a you know, a great way to just, you know, to see how, again, a lot of women, I know it's not only women, but a lot of it falls to us to to make sure our families are nourished and looked after and fed and and healed in various ways, whether that's, uh, you know, putting a, a plaster on a wound or giving a tea if someone has a cold. So it's all important and sacred stuff that has absolutely been uh, minimised in like the strongest possible way. Like, it's just, it's almost, um... oh, it reminds me of, I know you had Max Dashie on a couple of weeks ago, I think, and it's everything she says about suppressed histories, that kind of, all this wonderful stuff that women just did in the background. They just got on with it because it had to be done. So they brewed the, the drinks, they made the food, they healed people because somebody had to do it. Somebody had to get their hands dirty and birth the kids and lay out the dead and uh, super important stuff from, you know, everything from the, the breakfast table in the morning to the serious life and death stuff. And they were doing it all. And, uh, they've just everyone just suppressed that and sort of ignored it and it's so the work of carers is not particularly important and it's like it's it's easy to get frustrated with it all yeah
0: yeah yeah (laughs) suddenly it's not yeah it's not a thing anymore (laughs) I'm wondering um so so obviously like it's kind of the whole kind of mundane thing but how do you how do you infuse that with magic like nowadays how would you make what you're doing, like you're making breakfast or something, into like a magical act.
1: Again, we're in, we're in a real luxurious place, I suppose, right now, where we can we can use some of these elements with without any, well, I say without any fear of persecution. That's obviously not true in every country, but for us generally in the West, we can be reasonably comfortable um bringing out a little bit of our witchy ways. Um So all all of the stuff I do is is very simple and to some it might not seem like witchcraft at all. And to some some other people, I'm sure it's a total witchcraft, Um, but simple things like bringing um, herbs and spices into my coffee. So I always crush a cardamom pod into my coffee in the morning, uh, which is one of my favourite things to do. or even just when I'm baking, if I'm using things uh, like cinnamon and spices, it's the idea of raising warmth and comfort, which is something you can kind of, you can enjoy doing that and knowing what the cinnamon might symbolize, but you don't have to, you can just make cookies and they can just be delicious and that's fine. Um, so it's part of just mindful intention, I suppose, which uh, ties nicely back into the yoga stuff, but uh having that intention can be, it can be really nice. It can help you feel connected to what you're making and what you're doing and that your time in the kitchen is a choice. It's a celebration. And it's something uh, in the modern world we can choose to be in the kitchen if we want to, but also we could order a takeaway, which is a magic of its own kind that we can, you know, just get someone to deliver delicious food to us. So it's, it's bringing in the magic we want to bring in and, and celebrating, how we wish to celebrate so if we celebrate seasons or occasions and it's uh it's the magic of having a choice i suppose which is is the most wonderful thing about modern day and, and bringing in just little little bits little practices little charms little little memories of things perhaps our ancestors once did and uh and that is It's magical and comforting, and and kind of uh, great for fostering a little a little hope that some of these these skills and these memories have endured just despite everything, (laughs) despite it all, we've still we've still got some of those um, practices to draw from, which is
0: special. I think think that's probably that kind of shows how important it is, and I think these practices are like the same across country well not maybe not exactly the same but like quite similar across different countries and cultures like you see the um the evil eye like uh and i think is it is it puppets is that what the puppets were for i saw i think it was that we were talking about in your book i can't remember now and he said that the puppets people had found them buried in the chimneys and things
1: yeah so here in the, here in the west country you'll find puppets in chimneys um i know um since ancient times, I, I know in uh, ancient Greece, I think the the, kolossai, the the little the little icons and things. So we've been through cultures. You'll find little little puppets of some kind, or kind, some kind of symbol to represent people, um, and, and <laughs> either good wishes for those people, <laughs> um, or distinctly not good wishes for those people, uh, depending on the practice. But um, these little things they carry through, and and every now and then we'll find. A little, a little doll stuck up a chimney somewhere in Somerset, or um, a charm. Really. This, um, <laughs> there was an onion one time that fell out of a, a pub chimney, not too far from here, and it was kind of stuck with nails as a kind of warding for witches to stop them crossing the threshold of the of the chimney. But it's just so, so kind of nice when these things appear because it's it's a reminder um, and something that they people, just a normal person, could do to help in their mind protect themselves, maybe feel a little safer. Um,
0: so, yeah, so it's kind of lovely.
1: Was,
0: <laughs> sorry, go on. Sorry, I was um, the puppet was more about, was that more about um, like a kind of magic for that person rather than an evil eye protection? Am I remembering um, So, puppets
1: as sympathetic magic um, were often used to represent a person, and then kind of what you might do, do to that puppet was indicative of what kind of what you wanted to, to go on. So, um, you might have uh, in ancient greco-roman times you had the little models on family altars so it might be to represent the family and then you would offer to the goddesses or like candles as a, a protection to seek protection for this this little family of puppets and your your family um, later on uh there's kind of wax images and both here in the west and also in um some African cultures uh we have this idea of sort of the voodoo doll and um some of that can be you know <laughs> I think in the uh, in the Museum of uh, Witchcraft in Cornwall there's a, a couple of wax images with sort of nails in various places where um definitely some ill wishing going on there and so um the puppet can represent the person but then what you do to it is is um, <laughs> what you want what you want to happen to that person or that family. And and that can be good or bad, which is obviously the uh the duality of things. Um
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks thanks for nothing. Um yeah, sorry, uh, back to what we were talking about before about your coffee. I think did you have you had like a little ritual or something for the morning coffee? And also I love cardamom and coffee. I think it's just delicious. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it is delish I love cardamom I love cardamom pretty much anything actually like baking it's fantastic chocolate cardamom chocolate is just um (laughs) so really simple stuff um and and there was a lovely period during the sort of 60s and 70s where kitchen witch poppets were quite the trend so people would hang up little little images uh not little images little models little poppets of um a very stereotypical witch, you know, so she'd be on a broomstick, she'd have a little headscarf and uh, she'd hang up in your kitchen. But she was a very much a positive thing. It was uh, the kitchen, which will watch over your kitchen and make sure you, your pots don't burn and things um, and your soup won't bubble over. Um, but so that kind of quite modern in the 60s, 70s, when that was really popular, that's drawing on very ancient ideas of having some kind of charm or some kind of puppet um, So, yeah, in ancient times, it might have been a a figure of of family members to look after them. In sort of medieval, early modern period, it might be herbs or bundles hung up um, in the ceiling or charms around your kitchen. So they're all kind of connected, but it's all kind of different eras and different cultures, ways of bringing a little positivity in or warding away of things. So. It's, it's a, such a, again, I've used the word rabbit hole before, but once you kind of draw draw down the rabbit hole, it's fascinating to see how many different ways it's been done and how many uh, different cultures have embraced this idea.
0: So. Yeah, and I guess, like, I mean, we've probably had quite a few different cultures coming in and kind of integrating throughout history in, um, in Britain. So they would have been bringing their own ideas and stuff, wouldn't they? That kind of Absolutely.
1: Here in Britain, we've got such a blend. We've got, you know, the the Romans... The Roman culture came in the Germanic from the Anglo-Saxons um are kind of nel- uh, native Celtic so it's kind of it's a real blend of things which is is amazing and fascinating and in terms of like culinary stuff it's amazing you know the Romans brought a lot of cool stuff to us you know a lot of herbs and uh, I think domestic apples came from the Romans and so it's just kind of all these things whether it's actual foodstuffs or herbs or ways of cooking those things or ways of protecting those things or protecting our homestead it's kind of a a beautiful mix of a variety of cultures uh which is is interesting it's quite not unique to us here in Britain but um in terms of our sort of like uh, pantheons of gods and things and ancient Roman temples that they find every now and then and the mosaics that they find on the motorways and things it's like we've got a real mix of uh all things going on here which is uh it's fascinating stuff so
0: you're agreeing over there <laughs> um I wonder if we could kind of talk about um more yeah more about like kind of the the food the folklore the food and folklore that you talk about as well
1: so it was really fun to kind of explore the value and magic of food from kind of lots of different viewpoints. So one was, of course, from kind of the witch's viewpoint and what, what food could be kind of healing or used um, in certain ways. But then also you can see the value of food within story. So folklore and fairy tales, both feature quite a lot of food and kind of, Speak to its value. So, a very common one was um, the folklore that um, at various times in the year the witches would steal or spoil butter. So, the the milkmaids would lay certain herbs or certain branches of trees around the butter churns to kind of ward off the witches because the butter was so valuable that the um, the fear of losing it was was ingrained within kind of folklore and story. So. It was this wonderful world of seeing the foods that were most valuable. So butter and cream and uh, porridge and, uh, and cake, which is always a good one, and uh, booze, obviously. So beer features in a, a lot of good stories. Um, and it's just, it's another way of how people were making sense of the world. They were telling stories. They were kind of fostering superstitions that were often based with like kernels of truth about um you know don't walk through the marshes late at night because the uh, the will-o'-the-wisps will lead you astray that's just good advice don't walk through marshes in the middle of the night that's just not wise so <laughs> a lot of the the stories kind of um uh oh no don't eat blackberries after I think after Samhain, perhaps, um, because the witches have got to them or the devils got to them. And that's good advice because uh, there's a certain time where blackberries aren't so safe to eat because of um, fruit fungus and stuff. So a lot of the little kind of stories are based in some very sensible advice. And it shows how we as humans are storytelling creatures. So we we remember these fun little tales about... uh, um, the devil spitting on blackberries perhaps more than we might remember a story about fruit fungus or, you know, some kind of dull practical advice. <laughs> so it's, it's way more fun to tell a story about, uh, witches and cakes and, and beer and honey and eggs and things. And, uh, so yeah, exploring the stories was, was really fun. Um, and just such a wealth of them, obviously, I suppose it's, uh, we've been, we've been doing this a long time. We've been, uh, making, making supper, for a hell of a long time so the stories <laughs> circling around that um are, are rich and beautiful so it was really fun to kind of <clears> throat> excuse throat> me to gather them up
0: did you have was a story about um the ale wife did i see that did
1: yeah you... so the alewives. wives um this was a great one um there are kind of lots of of theories about kind of how we arrived at this very very vivid image in a lot of people's heads about what a witch is you know she's got the pointed hat she's got the cauldron she's got the black cat um and almost certainly it is a culmination of various things as most images are but the owl wife certainly played an interesting part in that um for lots of reasons firstly for a long time beer was considered kind of a manly thing you know men with a beer and you know men overseeing beer brewing is uh for a long time been kind of a stereotype. But of course, beer brewing was once the realm of the kitchen and therefore the realm of women. Um, and to brew beer was just part of you know, daily culinary life. and to brew something that was safe to drink was very important, and women would use their knowledge of herbs and preserving herbs to kind of help make these lovely brews. But also you've got an image of a woman stirring a bubbling cauldron and uh she may well have a cat nearby to kind of get the get any mice or anything that are nearby that are chewing on the on the wheat so and there's some sort of slightly more fuzzy ideas about um when they were selling their beer they might be wearing these kind of tall hats so they could be seen um and having a broomstick set outside the house to let people know that The beer was for sale because often these housewives, as a way of making a little extra money, would sell a little bit more beer. Um, But slowly, the kind of the image of the alewife got distorted, and sort of jokes and songs were made about alewives that they were all you know really ugly and you know a bit misshapen, and and they shouldn't be trusted as well because they'd um, they'd bewitch your beer. So you'd find if you'd had four or five pints, suddenly you couldn't think straight. So that was definitely women being tricksy, not men being drunk Um, and they might water down the beer and there's all this kind of uh, fostering this idea of distrust around alewives and and the church definitely jumped on that bandwagon and i think there are actually still some carvings in various churches of alewives just in hell because because alewives are obviously just the worst Um, and you know some of them are kind of naked just with their little alewife hats on because obviously they're whores as well because apparently the church to the church, you know, every woman is a, a whore and a, a bound for hell. Um, so I mean, the story of the airwives is both fascinating, kind of fun, but also wildly sad that this amazing skill of women was totally taken over by men. So the airwives were just totally, um, their reputation was just totally kind of crushed by these kind of rumors and these kind of stories. And eventually um, guilds were created, which we still have guilds today, but um, the guilds were created for brewers and craftspeople, but specifically for men. So women were just kind of pushed away from, from a craft that they essentially created and were really proficient in. Um, the tables are turning a little bit now, which is good. But uh, yeah, the story of the airwives is, is, is really fun uh, in terms of food history and also in terms of kind of a kind of there's whispers of witch history in there as well because it is a group of women that were kind of demonized literally by the by the church and there's definitely elements of the witch in there so it's a fun story so the alewives is a a fascinating one
0: yeah yeah it is and then so is the herb wife along a similar kind of line (laughs) yeah
1: so um there was just a time where kind of just wife was put at the end of anything anything a woman did it was something wife so alewife herb wife I think there was a strawberry wife in in the book somewhere um so anything a woman did or sold or made they just put something wife at the end again because because wife is just another name for woman obviously because what's a woman if she's not a wife so so it was just it was just a a kind of a term used for but the herb wives were really interesting as well so they would go out into the to the forest and woodlands they would gather up herbs for Um, culinary uses for charms for seining or smudging and gather them up and and then they would go into the towns and and sell them to um to you know uh not to rich people but to rich people's uh, servants whoever was doing the shopping i suppose but um so they were an interesting again a, a realm of interesting women who had a lot of knowledge had a lot of skill and actually were super industrious because they they went and got this free resource and they were making a business and income and you know enough money to feed their families perhaps by doing this so it was very valuable um, again there were oh the classic fishwife so fishwife is obviously one of, of what women were doing but it's now, to us, it's like a slang term for a women who who kind of shriek and are really loud and cantankerous. So that's how the kind of the the kind of what's the word the gossip, the folklore, the kind of the bias against these women still still hangs around today. Because when you say the word fishwife, people think of a shrieking fishwife. So, mm-hmm. but it was just a woman just selling fish, <laughs> and her boy, it and awesome an bizarre, alloy. It? I think gossip
0: yes. and I came from um, yeah so there was what was it about people that the women I can't remember now. (laughs) I'm not remembering stories. the women the women um would go around then the maybe you could tell the (laughs) story do you know the story no I'm not sure I know the story sorry I'm sure I do I'm sure it's in here I'm
1: just like I'm not not sure I I don't think Um, I read
0: it in your book I, I don't know I read it in another book about um it might be in your book I haven't finished reading your book um but it was the women who I think it was when they had when people get given birth, all the women all would g- gather, and to kind of support the woman who is given birth, mm-hmm. um, and then eventually, and they got, they were known as gossips, I think, and then eventually that became like a kind of, you know, yes. backward woman. Sorry,
1: I'm with you now.
0: Yes, I think
1: I forget, I can't remember where the book is, but I've got a book called Gossip from the Forest by Sarah Maitland, um, which is amazing, and at the beginning. She's got the kind of the etymology of the word gossip and it starts with uh, godsip, I think. So it's sort of it starts as kind of uh, like you say, like um, like prayers and kind of well wishes from women. And again, it's that word that's turned into, you know, these things that have been suppressed, like, oh, fish wives, oh, gossip, oh, old wives tales. You know, yeah. it, it's kind of grouped into this, this thing to be dismissed and to be belittled. Um, which is kind of frustrating because um, a lot of that stuff is, um, yeah, a lot of that gossip in the beginning would have been something for a positive use. A lot of the old wives' tales were words of wisdom from old women, which is valuable. And, you know, fishwives, herbwives, every other kind of wife at the market was just doing their business. But obviously, there's, you know, nothing like a successful woman to get cast out as a shrill aggressive over assertive something or other when she's just doing exactly what the guys are doing so
0: yeah it's a good way to kind of stamp down and get rid of her
1: <laughs> yes exactly exactly it was the way it was the way to just cast her aside as and you know we still get it today you know over emotional hormonal um, you know uh a bit crazy not to be trusted Jeez.
0: Oh, yeah sigh in despair <laughs> so um how about let's move on to because i think hang on i'm gonna I'm gonna flick through a bit because you were talking mm. about the end i think you start talking about yeah rituals and food and rituals and um so i haven't got to that section but and um, i was just when i saw the title it just reminded me when i was in bali they have this like really nice ritual where they um where they when they cook the food everybody has like an altar and when they cook the food they always take a bit of the food and they put it outside for the ancestors and for the spirits of the land and I just thought that's such a I just I've just really liked that ever since I've seen it and I'm like oh (laughs) so every time I put food out I'm always that's how I always feel about it but I wonder anyway if you could talk about the kind of rituals that you talk about in your book and
1: I'm just gonna pick it up and have a look in a minute. God, my memory is shocking. I'm like, wait, what where what did I write? I can't remember now. Let me have a look. Um, I mean it's lovely when you you see these other food rituals of other cultures because again, a lot of them are tied together with there's a lot of commonality between what we're doing in various cultures, which is lovely. Um
0: yeah.
1: like, it's, just, uh, sorry, sorry,
0: sorry go No, <laughs> I was just, just, <laughs> just thinking of another food ritual. I was thinking like because in Iran that we um by near it when it's like New Year, we have the ritual of um the kind of seven S's, and you have a table with um all the I mean the S's are in, obviously in Persian, so that, that but but there are like things like apples and money and uh, vinegar and uh, what else is a uh like new growth of like um wheat grass and like everything rep- represents something for the New Year, so it's like prosperity and luck and. Um, I
1: love that. And then how similar is that, you know, today with first footing in Scotland where the first person that crosses your threshold after midnight comes with bread and salt and I think a lump of coal for like fire, the fire. So it's like you'll never you'll never be hungry. I think they bring a top whiskey as well. So you'll never be hungry. You'll have warmth and, you know, you'll have a drink or something. But it's that idea of kind of fostering prosperity in in the new year, which is lovely,
0: um with, food, with bringing with bringing food into it because it's such an important thing, isn't it?
1: Well, exactly, and you know it's just so valuable, and I think t- to some extent we have lost that a, li- a little bit. You know, in the last fifty years or so, we've had an abundance of food that we've just never seen before, so we forget how lucky we are to to never really be. For most of us, we'll never truly be hungry, we'll never truly starve because that you know there is an abundance of food and um the idea of you know offering a little bit of food to the ancestors to the earth um or to the fairies or the fey folk you might do that too and that just runs all the way through even this guy could show my age now but you know like in those kind of gangster films in america where they kind of like pour a little bit of whiskey onto the earth for their homies um even that you know it's that idea of remembering people past and you know folklore isn't you know, it, it is always growing. So we kind of think of it as being kind of things in the past, but actually, we are creating new folklore every day. So those lit, just tiny little rituals. You know, nothing particularly showy or fancy, but just lovely little things, like on in the new year to to bless the the new year or to to move forward with hope and to to remember the year that's passed or the people that have passed. Um, so those simple rituals at special times. Are beautiful and yeah do often involve food or drink because that is you know it's the stuff the stuff of everything is the stuff of life it's the stuff of our social connections it's the stuff of our families our ancestors our memories so the part food plays in those rituals is um you know it can't be under <laughs> underestimated it's 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 a, such a huge part and you know our rituals of birthdays and christmas and easter now it's uh, we expect to have a cake or a Christmas pudding or a chocolate egg so those they're tied up so much within our our expectations of these things that um yeah the rituals are still there but just maybe a slightly softer and maybe we don't notice them as much as we once did um, mm, yeah but they're still there so that's good
0: yeah I wonder if that will, if that will change if as things change um, I'm
1: sure they will. You know, things change just all the time. But there are threads, I think there are threads that run through, which makes it so fun to, to look back at things. So, um, you know, Christmas has, uh, for the most part, always been a time of kind of gathering together, gathering together people you care about. Usually something connected to charity work or a little bit of altruism was involved there, too. Uh, and being kind of grateful for the for the things that you had and feasting, feasting was, <laughs> was you know a big part of it, so the, there are elements that will run through and then kind of specific things change, like um, kind of new things that come in, I suppose, and I can't really think of an example now, but um, like baby showers, that's a new sort of ritual that people do, isn't it? So baby showers, uh, <laughs> Father's Day, I suppose that's relatively new. Um,
0: I imagine yes. baby showers would have been slightly different you know i imagine there'd be something that people would have done to celebrate the baby there would have
1: been something like all the the healers and the women of the village would have come come to the the new mother (laughs) and they would have bought they would have bought food and blankets and things wouldn't they so actually you're right i bet there was some ancient equivalent of a baby shower um Mm -hmm but in the new version it's like there's strange games and uh <laughs> it's always a little bit awkward and I'm sure the same goes for Hindus. I bet th- there's been sort of a history of it but now mm-hmm. it's like okay there's a culture of uh going away to sort of hot country for a week and wearing sashes and uh <laughs> having those little straws and the the little headbands with the dilly boppers on so yeah some in- interesting new um folk practices for sure but uh it's fun it's it's uh it's fun to see uh things reborn and, and reworked and uh, that's the thing knows, isn't? Like you yeah. said it's
0: not static it's just it's it's always changing with the people it's, it's not bad. static
1: not at all no there's not there's not like kind of one point where it's like okay this is how it was because it's like it just changes it changes all the time there's so many variables that it's kind of uh, it is a yes it is a, an ever-changing thing um but with some nice threads running through of sort of gratitude and uh, and valuing and uh, bringing people together and feasting always feasting food is always there
0: <laughs> um so i have your other the other book as well the um uh oh i can't remember the name of it the, the enchanted the meditation one yeah
1: i'm I'm so delighted that we're both so useless with like because i can't remember like the name of my own book
0: okay i went say, to find but... this one
1: <laughs> i was like oh, what did i do with it enchanted journeys guided meditations for magical transformation yes. there we go although you can't really see it in the light. but uh yeah this is my newest one but um enchanted journeys and yin magic were both kind of drawn from remnants of yoga for witches that kind of ended up I spoke about earlier where you kind of you start writing one book and you end up with like threads of other books but um I liked Enchanted journeys because it was kind of I, I do a lot of meditations I have a lot of meditations online um and these are kind of just the scripts of those meditations so that other people can use them as a resource but it is kind of for me guided meditation is just kind of story time and kind of you know again kind of based on <clears throat> older practices of sort of journeying to to other places um and to, with other ideas and, and draw in a few ideas of kind of deities and, and the natural world and things but uh to tell a story to help guide people to to slightly different places I think is is, is fun and uh yeah speaks to the the storyteller in me I guess
0: yeah yeah i used uh i used it for one of our women's circles um the one about the healers it was really nice about kind of going into the bath and smelling the herbs and it just yeah i mean when i read it i was like oh, i could just imagine <laughs> I conjured it up but oh, same very very like comforting actually <laughs> oh thank thank you for using it that's lovely i think when well, my
1: editor first kind of pitched the idea like do you want to do a book of meditations? So i was like uh eh does anyone want that like would anyone use it and she's like yeah I think they will and it, t- it turns out people are using it which is really not- I think that's just yeah. my own sense of in- <laughs> in- 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 inadequacy I think I'm like why would anyone want this but
0: uh no, it, it, it's but it's not- great and
1: it is really useful I think to just have them there and kind of yeah you can pick out your themes and your ideas exactly. so it's just uh, and it's nice to I have
0: just- it there so you can read it rather than having to Necessarily think about it on the spot, or if you don't have time to make one yourself, it's nice to be like, okay, I've got this one. It's, I know this is going to be nice. I can pick up this book and pick something from here, which is really nice. Yeah, oh,
1: that's great. Thank you. I'm glad it was useful or is useful
0: because <laughs> I'll be using it <laughs> the next one as well. <laughs> thank you. So um, that books that books new out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That came
1: out last, I think, last month actually. Um, so that is my latest book. Uh, enchanted journeys um uh but i am very thrilled to tell you that uh i think in june the pre-orders are going live for another kitchen witch book that i have done it's very exciting <laughs> um so i've done that in collaboration with lucy h pierce who is the the maven of woman craft publishing so it's a real honor to work with her um and we've created a beautiful kitchen witch companion book which is it's kitchen witch companion and then the subtitle is recipes rituals and reflections so it's it's spells it's rituals it's recipes it's you know all the things that kind of don't feature in kitchen Witch are coming into kitchen Witch companion so i think it's going to be a lovely book to bring in offerings of ideas for rituals ideas for spells ideas for making food in celebration so pre-orders for that go out in june so that's that's the next one which i'm really excited about that sounds
0: exciting sounds interesting and you also gave us a bonus for the patron which a new thing that i'm just doing for people is the patron
1: oh cool. oh yeah so that was the that was the cinnamon cookies wasn't it i think um yes. which i was kind of mentioning earlier that idea of sort of sprinkling the cinnamon in and, and then once you know the story about the phoenix bird and the cinnamon it's just kind of like just adds a little extra when you're making the cinnamon cookies i think um also, I just I love cinnamon cookies. I think over lockdown, I just made a hundred and eight hundred, uh, which is probably not wise. But uh, <laughs> I love me a cinnamon cookie. So yes, so that is a, a lovely, a lovely bonus.
0: <laughs> yes, thank you very much. And yeah, thank you for your time. And can you just tell people where they can get a hold of you and get a and contact with you if they want to connect?
1: Yes. So um, you find me on Instagram. Uh, at yoga for witches that's all one word so that was the first book um my website is www.sentiayoga.com which is s-e-n-t-i-a yoga which is from when i used to be a yoga teacher and i haven't quite got around to changing my website yet but uh but there's all manner of things in there there's like books and yoga stuff and it links to my youtube and insight timer which is a meditation app so you can meditate with me you can do yoga with Insight Timer is great. So it's, it's a, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a, a free meditation app that you have on your phone. And a lot of the meditations actually that I have in Enchanted Journeys are on Insight Timer, like me reading them. So if you'd prefer to listen to the meditations, Insight Timer is a great one to, to listen to me doing the meditations. Uh, YouTube is the same. I've got a lot of them up there too, if if people prefer youtube to do the meditations um and then my publisher is woman craft publishing and they are a delight and their books are beautiful and life-changing and written by women for
0: women and
1: uh so you can check them out too if you like
0: yes yes and i've got a few more authors from them to talk to that i'm going to be talking to so i just found them Wow, they've got some really interesting books. <laughs> it's a
1: it's a great um, treasure trove of of, of books, and um, yeah, kind of once you you find yourself. I'm going to use the word rabbit hole again. Once you find yourself there for one book, it's like you go down a rabbit hole. You're like, oh god, this one looks good. Oh, it's so interesting. So
0: <laughs> that's great. Thank you so much for your time. It was really thank nice to connect with me Thank you so much for inviting me, and thank you everyone on the
1: podcast for listening.
0: Thank you. Bye. <laughs>